Bitcoiners. 30,000. Is JP Morgan a buy? And what's going to happen with the stock market in 2021? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. My, oh, my, and happy New Year's to all the listeners, everyone currently trying to figure out what's going on with this stock market um, next week. Well, we're taking a day off. At least Wall Street takes a day off today. But here at Running With The Money, we are not taking a day off. We are analyzing the market, looking at some of the biggest names around and seeing what's a buy and what's not. And we have a lot of content here for you today. Um, but the tackle today's headlines, it's really all about COVID-19 today. Um, and that's not real surprising considering it's pretty much the biggest headline um, around and has been for quite a while. So as we all know, cases continue to rise. Total cases nearing 20 million in the United States with deaths topping 340,000 per go out to everyone affected. Um, but vaccines are rolling out. Now, the vaccine rollout is a little slow, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes. Um, you know, we see in more approvals of vaccines in the U.K. AstraZeneca vaccine was approved in the U.K., as we talked about last episode. Um, so, you know, that's a positive. That means, you know, the va- that vaccine approval is likely coming to the United States soon, um, if it hasn't already. Um, but anyway, um, looking at 2021, you know, it's New Year's. Um, it is the first day of the new year, first day of 2021. And what is the market? going to do here in 2021. Um, and I think you have to write out a list of pros and cons. And here are the pros and cons. First off, we got stimulus um, to finish out the year, which is great. We're going into the year with stimulus with backup to this economy that's just starting to recover from COVID-19. Um, another positive, vaccines are being distributed. We have a cure for this thing. We have something that can prevent the spread of this um, virus. So that's great. We're going into 2021 on the, with the upper hand when it comes to the virus. Um, and not only that, but what we also have is this recovery of the economy starting. We're starting to see the economy pick back up. We, um, uh, you know, which is good. It's very good. Um, and I think that going into 2021, um, I think all of 2021 will be a vac, uh, virus recovery year is what I think it will be. And I think it's going to be a great year for the economy. Um, I think it's going to come back stronger than ever. Um, so that is definitely something to look after. Also, many stocks are still down in the market year today. Many names are um, still down. A lot of sectors are still down, specifically, you know, the banks, the energy sector, um, the insurance sector, real estate, utilities, those are all down. Um, you know, there's a lot of telecom services that are still all down. We have a lot of sectors and a lot of names that are still down year to date or not up too far year to date. Um, so I think there's a lot of names within the market that can continue to rally um, throughout 2021, but there definitely needs to be a cool off and we'll get into that within the cons. Also, um, a Biden administration is coming in in 2021 and that is going to usher in better relationships with China. Better relationships with China is great. Um, that means trade tensions are lowered. The likelihood of us getting a trade deal done with China um, that actually lasts is likely. Um, and not only that, but that's also good, as we've talked about, for individual stocks like Boeing um, in General Electric and Honeywell, who both of those companies get big business from Boeing. Um, because as we all know, China loves to buy Boeing aircraft um, when a trade deal is made and trade tensions are low with the United States. That's kind of what they do in return um, on the on their part of the deal is we often negotiate in um, aircraft purchases from Boeing. So that's very, very good. Now on the con side, um, 
you know, we have to pay attention to what's going on. Now, COVID-19 is still spreading. We just went over that. It's spreading rapidly still. So likely for the first, for, for the first few months of 2021, at least, we're going to see a rapid spread of COVID-19 still, and that's going to be a worry because um, we're probably going to have lockdowns on and off throughout the first few months. Also, uh, the vaccine rollout is slower than expected. Um, not nearly as many people are vaccine are vaccinated yet as what we thought. Um, so that is going to be um, a major setback, I believe, for the recovery going forward. But not too big of a setback because they are rolling out. We are making progress, and that is really all that matters here. Um, now, uh, when it comes to more market specifics, what we're seeing, and we talked about this last episode, is you know that major put buying. We're seeing a lot of people go net short the market now instead of net long which is something we really don't want to see. Um, that could imply either a hedge against an upcoming crash or an upcoming crash, one of the two. Um, you know, uh, the hedge part, it could just mean a hedge against risk, possibly. Um, it doesn't mean a crash, but it could also mean imply that uh, some are expecting a sell-off, a major sell-off in the future, a correction. Um, and that's possible. We're seeing that megaphone top on the Dow Jones, um, you know, and then for future catalyst, we have, you know, the Senate elections in Georgia upcoming on the 5th. Um, and that is going to be a major turning point. Um, what's going to happen in those elections? If Republicans hold the Senate, um, that's going to be very good for the stock market um, because what's going to occur is we are going to see a gridlock in Congress where nothing gets done. So taxes are going to stay low, and most of the economic policy that has to be passed by Congress is going to stay the same, um, which is great. That is really good. The stock market likes consistency. Um, and under the policies that were implemented the last four years um, from the majority Republican Congress, this is going to be very good um, because what's going to occur is taxes are going to maintain low, but the policies that, um, you know, some parts of our government wanted to put in much, much higher taxes, some new taxes on Wall Street won't be implemented because of that gridlock. And that will be excellent for the markets um, because really, you know, the markets don't like high tax. They really don't. Um, and they especially don't like extra taxes put on Wall Street. So it's definitely a good thing if Republicans hold the Senate that creates gridlock. Um, and we know what to expect then in the future, which is going to be nothing. We expect nothing um, economic change wise out of the government if the current landscape stays the same. Um, so definitely I'm going to be looking at that. I think if there's a Democrat sweep in, um, you know, Georgia, I, I really think that the market could have a adverse reaction to that. Not because, you know, not because I'm against Democrats, just because of the sheer policy. Um, you know, if, if Democrats take full control of the government, it could mean much higher taxes, more restrictions on Wall Street. And if that's the case, we could see a sell-off on the street. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, and that is a future catalyst. Another catalyst, as we noted, is these China relations. Um, you know, on the rare factor that Maybe we, our relationships don't get better with China. That's also another issue we have to be looking at. But I do think um, it's more of a pro uh, than a con. I, I do think that we are going to see better relationships with China under a Biden administration. Um, also, finally, rounding out 2021 is margin debt is at all-time highs. Um, will margin debt continue to increase? If margin debt continues to increase, I'm more and more worried. And here is why. Because... Every time we have seen margin debt go to levels that we are starting to see, it's been followed pretty much with a crash. I actually posted a chart on Twitter. I'll retweet it after this episode drops. Um, but that is the case. Um, margin debt is at all-time highs, and we saw margin debt skyrocket in 1999. We saw it skyrocket in 07 and 08, and now we're seeing it skyrocket again. And uh, we could see more, you know, a potential sell-off given all of those technicals. So that's definitely something to be looking for in 2021. So overall, I'm bullish on 2021. I believe the year will be well. 
if we do get a pullback, if we do get a correction, which I believe we're due for, I mean, I'm looking right now at a map of the whole entire market on a year-to-date, you know, on a year-to-date factor. Um, and, you know, I see names. Fang is up insane. Apple up 76%. Amazon up 71%. Google up 30%. Microsoft up nearly 40%. Adobe up 50%. Oracle up 20%. NVIDIA up 117%. Um, Qualcomm up 71%. Uh, you know, a ton of names. And that's just, you know, the peak of the iceberg. There is an immense amount of names within this market that are, you know, have just skyrocketed throughout 2020 and haven't taken a break. And it looks like we're getting a little frothy now within the markets once again. And a possible correction, I think, could be due. So that's something to look for in early 2021. But on the overall outlook, I think we'll end 2021 up. And that's my overall goal. And that's why I'm going long the market um, with some hedges against some of my positions. Um, but that's really about it. I'm bullish on 2021. Now, shifting into what do I expect? What are my 2021 expectations? Well, I expect digital tech trends will continue. I expect fintech, e-commerce, personal computing, artificial intelligence, and cloud all to continue to grow. And therefore, you want to be positioned in those, you know, those those stocks that you're going to position yourself in. Say for fintech, you're going to want some Square. You're going to want some PayPal. Um, for e-commerce, you're going to want some Shopify. Um, and there's so many other names. Um, for personal computing and AI and cloud, you're going to want Salesforce. You're going to want ServiceNow. Um, you're going to want a lot of those names. And what it really comes down to is all those names that involve fintech, e-commerce, personal computing, um, artificial intelligence, cloud. Those are all names that have run an immense amount. So I don't want you to go all in now. Um, I don't want you to go all in on the first day of 2021. Let's wait. Let's see what the market does. And if we get a pullback, then you strike. We are already starting to see a pullback in the last few days of uh, last week. Well, this week, but, you know, the last few trading days. So that's something to look for. Will that pullback continue? Um, also, what I see going into 2021 is a travel industry comeback. You know, keep an eye on the airlines. Keep an eye on the cruise ships. Keep a, keep an eye on, you know, the Airbnbs of the stock market. Keep an eye on the uh, casinos, the hotels. Keep an eye on all of that because I think you'll see those stocks come back in a major way um, I because I think travel is going to come back. I think at the end of the day, by the end of 2021, um, we are pretty much back to normal life. In my opinion, I think that's what the market's pricing in, and I think that's what we're going to see. And therefore, you want to be positioned in some of this travel. Um, you want to be positioned in some travel stocks. Also, I think the rotation in the value, which we've been seeing throughout year-end, I think is going to continue mildly um, because there's so many names that aren't value names that are super, super growth names that are going to continue to go because of our digital trends. But also, there's a lot of value names that have just been left in the dust, and I think have a lot of room to grow. Also, IPO momentum. Um, that's still a question mark for me in 2021. Will IPOs still continue to boom the way they have been? Um, and that's a major question. That's something we want to look for. Are we going to see more, you know, IPOs just absolutely skyrocket on day one, go up 80% in a day? Are we still going to see this? And that's something to look for and stay at those price points. Um, so that's definitely something I'm looking at. And then finally, uh, you know, this possible crash, which we talked about, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So, you know, wait, let's see how the first few weeks of 2021 go. That's when the Georgia elections are. Let's see how the market gets through that and then start picking up the names you really like. Um, and those are my expectations for 2021. But we, we, we're we not going to shift in to Bitcoin. What's going on with Bitcoin? My goodness, Bitcoin nearing 30,000. Um, today, I'm checking it right now, and this thing is at 29,108. 
Um, so, you know, Bitcoin is continuing to soar. It's continuing to move higher. Just last week, it was 25,000, 24, 25,000. So this thing's continuing to move higher. Um, and it's moving an immense distance. Now, at the end of the day, what's going to happen with Bitcoin in 2021? What's going to happen with Bitcoin this year, the new year? Um, well, I believe that Bitcoin is going to continue to rise. I'm taking a more bullish approach on Bitcoin, and here's why. Um, a lot of analysts, and I'm seeing it, is there's increasing demand for Bitcoin. There's a decreasing supply. And as we all know, when you see an increased demand and a decreased supply, you see prices increase um, in, all econo- in all economies, in all kinds of products, in any facet of economics, you see an increase in demand, a decrease in supply equals an increase in price. And that is going to be very good for Bitcoin. Now, part of this increased demand is going to come from institutions. I think a lot of institutions are going to start to get in Bitcoin and we're seeing it already. We're seeing a lot of institutions jumping on Bitcoin, a lot of super big companies jumping on Bitcoin. And this is going to be a key to Bitcoin's growth. If we continue to see institutional interest, institutional purchases in Bitcoin, I believe you will continue to see a rising Bitcoin price. Furthermore, um, Tom Lee, uh, a manager at Fundstrat, a major analyst, a major, um, he's always on the major networks. Um, he has pretty much called the market the whole year. He's probably been one of the most accurate um, fund you know managers that I have listened to so far I follow his um, analysis his content and you know you should go give him a follow on Twitter Thomas Lee um, he is typically right on the markets so you know I you, you have to listen to other experts you have to you know do your research and he's one of the resources I go to um, and he has mentioned several times that he's bullish on Bitcoin he believes it will triple in 2021 mainly due to that increase in demand the institutions getting in. Um, and you know, I, I do, I'm, I agree. I agree that Bitcoin is going to move higher. Um, and I agree with a lot of these Bitcoin guys that's going to just continue to roar. Now, does that mean buy it now? No, a potential pullback could come at any moment. So start to scale in and if it drops by more, um, now there's several ways to play Bitcoin outside of, you know, the typical, just go buy Bitcoin. You could also play stocks that, um, you know, are like Bitcoin funds in essence. So Grayscale Bitcoin is my favorite in the market. Um, I own just a, a little bit of it. I'm scaling into it. I don't own a ton. I own a very, very small amount, and I am scaling in. I expect that I will probably buy more, um, you know, if Bitcoin keeps going the way it's going. Um, I am bullish on Bitcoin, so I do like Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Um, there's a lot of other names out there. Actually, I posted a thread on Twitter, on my Twitter page, um, and I will publish it to the, I'll publish a breakdown on Bitcoin later on Running With The Money. Um, but uh, with a whole list of stocks that you could, in essence, are investing in Bitcoin through the stock market um, instead of going and buying Bitcoin directly. So that is what I like um, overall about Bitcoin. But we have to talk about some of these individual names that we are seeing. Um, and you guys have been asking and asking and asking about J.P. Morgan. Well, first off, the banks are down big time. The banks are down big time year to date. Um, if you take a look at a whole entire map of the markets, you will see that the banks are down the most. One of, it's one of the most hard hit sectors out of the entire stock market year to date. And, you know, one of the hardest hit is J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan's down 10%. On one-year performance, um, Bank of America is down 14%. Wells Fargo is down 24%. Um, no, for, 43%. Citi's down 24%. Um, and then you just see a ton of other banks just absolutely hammered by this pan, uh, by the pandemic this year. Um, they weren't really doing well. The banks haven't been doing well the past few months, um, past few years at that. 
but really the past few months they have not been doing well until we got a lot of news, um, and we're going to get into that throughout this J.P. Morgan breakdown. So here it is. So as we all know, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. is one of the largest banks in the world with a financial footprint that reaches nearly every facet of the U.S. and world economies. They have a market cap of $387.3 billion, uh, you know, a yearly dividend of $3.60, which is a 2.83% yield for those of you wondering. But weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, not long ago, um, the Fed announced it will allow the biggest banks in the market to start their share buybacks once again in Q1 of 2021. We just entered that, people. And um, that move not only benefits the banks themselves, but the shareholders. Because when companies and banks buy back shares, the stock price typically sees an increase over the long term. Um, and this is good stuff here. It also shows if they're buying back shares confidence in their own company. Um, so... Given the Fed decision, banks have gone on a massive run with J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Goldman Sachs, as well as many more, going on big rallies off of near lows. Um, and now weeks later, are the banks still a buy? And many are wondering that. And I firmly believe that um, the best of the best, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, most of all, J.P. Morgan, um, I believe are still a buy. Um, now, not only did we get the Fed buyback announcement um, just recently um, that they're allowing this, uh, but we also saw that J.P. Um, Morgan recently announced the par partial acquisition of CX loyalty groups. And this is a big bet on the uh, travel recovery. Um, so that's very good. I like to see that they're getting involved in the travel recovery. Um, it seems that J.P. Morgan is capitalizing on the immense amount of cash they have on the balance sheet um, and that they are going to make some acquisitions here, which I like. I like the fact they're still aggressive, even in the worst of the pandemic. Now, furthermore, breaking down J.P. Morgan stock, we see that 41.1% of the stock price is based on the consumer and community banking segment. 39.3% um, is based on the corporate and investment bank segment, 11.3% um, on the commercial banking segment, 8% on asset and wealth management, and then 0.3% on corporate. Um, so I like those numbers there. The stock is well diversified. One segment or another segment can do badly um, in the stock price likely. The way it will price, you know, it'll obviously get hit, but it probably won't get hit near as bad as, say, Let's say uh, one segment was 90% and the rest was nothing, and that one huge segment did badly. Then the stock could take a major hit, but you won't see that with J.P. Morgan. It's a well-diversified bank. Um, also, digging into the most recent quarter, J.P. Morgan beat expectations with an EPS of $2.92, much better than the expected EPS consensus estimate of $2.23. Now, on a year-over-year -year basis, that's an EPS improvement of 8.96%. So they're definitely doing well year-over-year, -year, even through the pandemic, which is something I like to see. It shows that management is doing well. Um, it also shows that management knows how to execute, even in some of the most challenging times in economic uh, U.S. history. Um, not only that, but furthermore, J.P. Morgan reported $29.1 billion in revenue, and that's just below Q3 2019 levels of $30.1 billion, but it's pretty much flat. Um, also, the bank reported credit cost of $611 million and the average loans are up 1% throughout the quarter. So not bad numbers all around. Now, rounding out um, J.P. Morgan's firm-wide numbers, management reported that average deposits increased by 30% and that liquidity source has totaled $1.3 trillion. Once again, the numbers continue to impress here. Um, and then the bank went on to report that J.P. Morgan earned $9.4 billion in net income and that the firm maintained its credit revenues, um, credit 
reserves, I, I apologize, not revenues, credit reserves of $34 billion, um, even though the pandemic was a major headwind on the bank. So overall, great, great numbers out of J.P. Morgan we're seeing here. We are not seeing devastation. What we're seeing is solid numbers, and that is what I like to see, and that's what we should see out of the largest bank by market cap in the market. Um, now, uh but also, if we take a look, I'm shifting in to the corporate and investment bank segment of JP Morgan, market revenues increased by 30% and global IB fees increased by 9% um, throughout the third quarter. So overall, um, great numbers out of JP Morgan on an earnings basis. Now, when we turn when we break down ROE, return on equity, um, we also see that the consumer and community banking segment turned out 29%. Um, the consumer and institutional banking turned out 21%. Um, the consumer banking segment turned out 19%. And the asset and wealth management segment turned out 32% ROE. So I like all of these numbers coming out of the Q3 earnings report from JP Morgan. It just goes to show that JP Morgan is still a strong bank. It's still the um, number one player when it comes to the financials and the banks out there. Um, and they continue to improve. I would look to see them get in on some more fintech. Um, I definitely would. And I think they'll make those moves um, possibly within the next year. But it will be interesting to see. Um, digging into the balance sheet, solid numbers, total assets of $3.246 trillion, um, total liabilities of $2.97 trillion, and total debt of $5.57 billion. So overall, solid numbers out of J.P. Morgan. Um, valuation. Valuation is actually quite cheap. We look at valuation, and we see that on a price-to-earnings basis, um, it's 16.58 times. A price to sales of 3.26 times, a price to book of 1.6 times, and a price to cash flow of 8.62 times. That is rather cheap, folks. So um, I overall like it. Now, furthermore, return on equity, 9.98%. Return on assets of 0.85%. Solid numbers coming out of JP Morgan. Um, as for the analyst, they're you know kind of neutral here um, with the mean price share at $125.5 per share. So that's a... 1% loss, roughly. I disagree with that price target. The high price target is 150. The low is 98. Um, I think it definitely trends towards that high price target instead of the low. The big money is quite involved. 68%. 68.8% of JP Morgan's owned by institutions. Top holders include, of course, the Vanguard Group, State Street Global Advisors, and BlackRock Institutional Trust. So overall, solid stuff there. Now, on a technical basis, um, JP Morgan is quite bullish. We see the RSI is 66. Um, we see the CCI at 140. We see the uh, MACD just crossing back to the upside with minimal upward momentum at 2.69. So overall, not bad. I think you can buy it here. I think you can scale in. So overall, I like JP Morgan. Um, in short, I, JP Morgan Chase and Co. is a solid long-term pick given the upcoming COVID-19 recovery, a balance sheet that is <clears throat> improving, and underlying growth segment by segment. So, I'd like all the numbers out of J.P. Morgan. Now, rounding out the show, finishing up the show, um, I would like to talk about Nike. I like Nike. Uh, the team and I dropped a breakdown on it. Definitely go check it out at runningwithmoney.com. Overall, I think Nike is a buy. Um, I definitely do. Uh, their earnings were stellar. I mean, they, they beat all around on earnings. They saw a lot of improvement. Um, the valuation is a bit high for me, but I think you can bite the bullet on Nike with valuation. I think that'll continue to move higher. Um, you know, management has executed very well and it just continues to move higher. Also, the institutional um, investing is very high. Analysts are very bullish. 
Um, you know, the technicals are bullish and overall, I think they're going to have a solid 2021. Now taking a look at the watch list going in to the new year next week, we have to talk about, you know, what am I looking at? Well, I'm eyeing the banks. Um, definitely JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. I'm eyeing Nike. Of course, we just talked about them. Um, I'm eyeing Verizon and AT&T. You know, those are two names that really didn't get a lot of love throughout 2020. And I think they might see it in 2021. Um, I'm also looking at Fang. I think Fang stocks can continue to move higher. Um, as we noted, we started to get a pullback in some of the smaller tech names. Um, when I say smaller, just tech names that aren't Fang, um, like Square and PayPal and Adobe. We started to see those bigger names pull back here at year's end. So will those names uh, continue to pull back? If so, I'm a buyer. Um, Netflix, Disney, um, I want to get in on the streaming space. And Disney and Netflix definitely appeal to me. I think they're the only two ways to play streaming. I think the rest are just going to lag behind personally. Um, I'm also looking at Zoom. I think Zoom will actually stay around. I think a lot of people are wrong on Zoom. I think people are going to continue to use it. And I think it's going to continue to be a popular platform. Visa, MasterCard, credit card services, going nowhere. Um, DocuSign is another one I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, looking if that will pull back any further. Honeywell and General Electric. I'm a buyer and a pullback. Boeing, I have no idea. No idea why that stock is priced the way it is right now. It's down 35% on the year. 35%. So I'm definitely a buyer of Boeing. Um, you know, Boeing's been going down on bad news recently, and I think that's why it's partially a buy. Walmart, I like it. I'm a buyer. Home Depot, I'm a buyer. Costco, I'm a buyer. Um, a lot of great names out there that really haven't ran an extreme amount, just you know, a you know, twenty percent or so that are still great names that I believe can still continue to run. But there's a lot of big tech names that I believe you need to buy in a pullback. Um, and we have gone through those. I'm also watching the semiconductor space. You know, AMD, Nvidia, um, Taiwan Semi is a name I really like. Uh, Qualcomm. So I'm definitely looking at all of those as well. I'm keeping my eye on going into the next few weeks, these Google and Facebook lawsuits, antitrust lawsuits. That's also something to keep an eye on for you. So thank you all for listening um, to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. We will be back next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you some of the best content that you can get about the market in the quickest format. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Check out the Running With The Money merchandise at runningwiththemoney.com. Follow me and the Running With The Money team at Running With The Money on Facebook and Instagram. Also follow me at Luke Donay on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Eat, sleep, profit, trade on, and I will see you on Monday.